Takes is a podcast from BCA Research, informing investors with straightforward, actionable analysis of macro and market events. Hi there, and welcome to the Quick Takes podcast. I'm your host, Rakaya Ibrahim, strategist at BCA Research. The euro area economy contracted for the second consecutive quarter in Q1, indicating that the bloc experienced a technical recession. In particular, the decline in consumer spending over this period reflects the drag on purchasing power from elevated inflation. Now, going forward, an important question facing investors is whether this weakness will persist into the second half of the year. And specifically, what are the headwinds and tailwinds that will be facing the eurozone economy? So to help answer these questions, this week I caught up with my colleague Mathieu Savary, who heads up BCA Research's European Investment Strategy Service. Hi Mathieu, welcome back to the podcast. It's always great to have you on. Well, nice to be with you uh, today. So the final release of the Eurozone's Q1 GDP revealed that the Eurozone economy experienced a technical recession uh, defined as two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. Now, you expect GDP growth to improve on a sequential basis over the remainder of the year. What is the rationale for your optimism? And specifically, what are the factors that you expect will contribute to an improvement in the Eurozone economy? Well, at a, a domestic level, there are mainly two factors that point toward an improvement in uh, sequential growth. The first one, which is honestly the most important one, is that we're starting to see in the Eurozone a bit of a repeat of the phenomenon that took place in the US at the end of the fourth quarter of 2022 and at the beginning of this year. Namely, it's the decline in inflation is uh, boosting real wages, real income for households. And uh, uh, in the US, that was the key factor that prompted uh, economic surprises to rebound because the consumer turned out to be very resilient even in the face of tight monetary policy. So in Europe, we do see a similar scenario taking place. Inflation is decelerating and we expect inflation to continue to decelerate uh, even at the core level, which means that by the end of the third quarter of 2023, real wage growth should actually become positive once again in the Eurozone. And uh, uh, that's very positive because like in the United States, Eurozone households have a lot of excess savings. Estimates range from 1 to 1.4 trillion euros of excess savings. And this means in practice that there is a high likelihood that the pickup in real wages will be translated into a pickup in real consumption. So that, that's factor number one that's domestic. The other important domestic factor is that fiscal policy remains actually quite accommodative. It's true that at first glance, we see that the deficits are falling in Europe, but this is mostly a reflection of the fact that nominal growth has been pretty strong, which is boosting tax receipts for the governments and also an ebbing of the support measures that have been put in place during the energy crisis. Crisis. But the energy crisis is behind us, so that's actually quite positive for the European growth outlook. And uh, additionally, the uh, disbursement from the NGEU programs are quite large in 2023 and 2024. And those disbursements, they are heavily focused on infrastructure spending, which on most models carries 
pretty elevated uh, fiscal multiplier, which suggests that fiscal policy will remain quite accommodative as well and be a bit of a tailwind for growth. Now, specifically on the euro area's industrial sector, what's your outlook there? Because earlier this week, we got the final PMI readings for June, and they continue to show that the manufacturing sector is particularly weak, with the manufacturing PMI falling deeper in contraction territory. In fact, it's now at the lowest level since the early days of the pandemic in the first half of 2020. So going forward, do you expect weak manufacturing to remain a drag on growth and offset some of the positive forces you just highlighted? Or do you suspect that the Eurozone is already near the bottom of the manufacturing cycle? So I expect the Eurozone to be pretty close to the bottom of the manufacturing cycle. In fact, if we look, for example, at data that just came out, the uh, factory orders for Germany, it actually really surprised to the upside for the month of May, increasing 6.4%, which was a very large jump, in fact, that took place. But that's just part of the story. The, the real story is the following, which is that the global manufacturing cycle was dragged down by the tightening in financial condition that took place when energy prices were very high, when the dollar was surging, which increases the cost of capital for a lot of borrowers around the world, and when yields were skyrocketing higher. Now we've seen a bit of an easing in financial conditions because energy prices have declined, because the dollar has been soft, and because bond yields are not rising as fast as they were rising in 2022. And in fact, when we look at the historical leads and lags between the industrial cycle and the financial conditions, we see that the peak restrictiveness of financial conditions for the global industrial cycle was likely to be felt in the second quarter of 2023, which suggests that in the second half of the year, we'll see an improvement in the global industrial cycle. Secondly, we've seen a big adjustment in terms of inventories. So after the pandemic, we saw a big buildup in inventories. And uh, as global growth deteriorated, one of the big components of that weakness in industrial activity was the fact that firms needed to destock their excess inventories. And based on the inventory components of the PMIs, around the world, we've seen that this adjustment is very advanced, which suggests that the inventory cycle is likely to move from a headwind to industrial activity to a tailwind to industrial activity. Another thing that's actually pretty positive for the global industrial sector is that we've seen a surprising amount of resilience from the housing sector in the US. Home builder stocks have been very strong. The NAHB survey has been very strong. We've seen an improvement in home sales and housing starts. And additionally, we've seen the contribution of residential investment to GDP in the United States turned the corner. And historically, all those variables are excellent leading indicator of the industrial cycle in the United States. And this suggests this improvement to take place in the US industrial cycle in the second half of the year. And that's crucial for Europe because the United States is still to this day the largest export destination for the Eurozone. Hence, an improvement in industrial activity in the US is positive for the industrial sector in Europe. The last positive is related to the auto sectors. So there's a lot of pent up demand for cars around the world, especially in Europe. Meanwhile, car production was hampered by problems in terms of supply chain, which have ebbed, which are been mostly sold. And that suggests that the auto sector, which is crucial to the European industrial sector, is going to do better. Now, I'm not forecasting a boom in industrial production 
this year, to be very, very clear, because China remains problematic. Archer, who writes our emerging market strategy, uh, is adamant that China is in a liquidity trap. I agree with his thesis, which means that the rate cuts that we've seen until now in China are unlikely to move the needle much for the Chinese economy in terms of industrial activity, construction, capex, and so on in 2023. So while China is unlikely to collapse as much as it has had so far this year in its industrial sector, it's unlikely to boom either, which will uh, remove some of the octane that the improvement in industrial activity could have had globally. So practically, what does it mean for the industrial sector in Europe, it means that the industrial sector in Europe is likely to trough in the second half of the year to improve a bit with the PMIs moving back above 50, but we are unlikely to see a huge jump as well. So on that front, how long do you expect the sequential growth improvement to last and how strong will it be? After all, the ECB has lifted interest rates by a cumulative 400 basis points since the start of the hiking cycle last year, and it has signaled that further rate increases are coming. And if growth does indeed improve sequentially, wouldn't that just cause the ECB to maintain a tight monetary policy stance for longer? So the key point here is something you've hinted at. Policy is very tight in the Eurozone. Uh, we are seeing uh, policy rates that are well in excess of our estimates of the neutral rate. Those estimates are between 1.5 to 2.5%. We're seeing credit growth that is quite weak. In fact, credit flows to households are now in negative territory. They are almost in existence for corporation. Money growth, which is an excellent leading indicator of activity in Europe, remains very weak. Credit standards are tight. Credit demand is weak. All of that points toward a very strong headwind coming from the part of the ECB. So here is the synthesis of the positive and the negative with the ECB, which is that the sequential growth is likely to improve in the second half from the contraction that we've seen already in Q4 of 2022, Q1 of 23, and probably zero-ish growth in uh, Q2. But it's not going to be a massive improvement either. We'll see probably sequential growth moving in the 0.2-0.3% area in the maximum 0.3%. Uh, so it's still growth that remains below trend, even though it's not a contraction in economic activity anymore. So um, that's an environment where we'll see a bit of slack growing in the eurozone and that is allowing the ecb to pause now a pause is very different from cutting interest rates and the pattern that has historically prevailed in the eurozone where the ecb increased rates and then rapidly cuts rates is unlikely to take place this time around because a recession is not that imminent in europe in fact we think that a recession is unlikely to happen until the second half of 2024 maybe a little bit later the risks are skewed for later so this means that the policy rate in the eurozone is likely to remain elevated for an extended period of time even if if the ECB pauses its interest rate increases in uh, September or October. Well, Mathieu, thanks for joining me today. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to chat with you today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Quick Takes podcast. We'll be bringing you weekly quick takes with BCA strategists on a range of macro and market topics. Stay tuned for next week's episode.